right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Hey. And uh, we have plenty to talk about today. KU takes on K-State. So uh, no more, no more reminiscing Wait, about. Can you place K State? Yeah, tonight. I didn't, I didn't know that. Crap. <laughs> well, pregame five thirty right here on KLWN. So that's no, I know. You can listen. Thank you. Tip off seven o'clock. Forget trying to you know watch it on ESPN Plus. Listen right here on KLWN and our sister station one hundred five nine Kiss. Uh, we're going to be joined by Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World at three forty. We're going to be joined by Kevin Flaherty of twenty four seven Sports at four forty. We got Bill Self audio, Ernest Uday audio, and we're out a little early today for that pregame coverage. So Kansas looking for revenge on Kansas State. Yep. I guess technically the what? three-game Big 12 losing streak, like the three-game losing streak is still intact if you just look at it from conference games, which... Why you got to be a Debbie Downer like that? Well, hold on. I, I was going to turn what? that into a positive. Okay, okay. You know, everybody kept saying heading into the Kentucky game, well, Bill Self's never lost four consecutive games at Kansas. He's never lost four consecutive conference games at Kansas either. That so would history make sense. is yeah. on your side. Okay, sure. Now, this is obviously a rematch of the game that got that losing streak started exactly two weeks ago. It's weird that this is the... Uh, that you're playing this game so quickly after yeah. you played them before. I mean, think about this, like, this game is the game that will put Kansas immediately halfway through the Big 12 season because there's 18 games to get them to nine. That means you won't have played, I guess, Texas. They haven't played the Texas yet. So they'll yeah. have played Kansas State twice before they even play Texas well, same once. Same deal with Iowa State. They're going to play Iowa State after this game yeah. before they even play Texas. That's so weird. Yeah, the scheduling is a bit is a bit wonky. And also, like from the Big 12 perspective, you would think that you'd want like games like this, rivalry games, you'd want it to be like a late February end of the schedule type game. Like I understand you want you there are two things you want at the end of the season. A, you want to hopefully schedule games where it's going to matter in terms of the conference title race, right? So like for instance, Kansas' final game of the season in conference play is against Texas. Hypothetically, that's a game that you would want because it could have conference title implications that late in the season. But right below that, you'd want rivalries, I would think, right? Exciting games, fun games. Instead, we're playing it at the end of January. Yeah. I, I'm guessing this just goes back to the thought that maybe in the preseason they were like, oh, K-State's K State's gonna, gonna be, be bad. Really bad. They ended up being good, <laughs> so this is what you kind of end up with. Um But yeah, we we saw the first go around between the two teams. Kansas State won eighty three to eighty two in overtime in Manhattan. It was a tough place to play, and it was a weird game. So Kansas State gets up twenty six to seventeen. It was even more than that, I think. Yeah, they got the most. They got up, up what, uh, 16, 17? 33 to nineteen. I believe. Okay, so fourteen points, thirty three nineteen. Yep, yep. Um, and then Kansas kind of battled back. They had it to a five point deficit at halftime, and it.
could have been less. Keontae Johnson hit like a shot at the end of the first half. And then they battled in front, and it kind of went back and forth down the stretch. As many remember, three players for KU fouled out. Grady Dick fouls out. Uh, KJ Adams fouls out. Kevin McCuller fouls out without scoring a point. Bad. At the end of games, you're throwing out lineups of like Jalen Wilson, Joe Yesifu, Bobby Pettiford, Dewan Harris, and then one of Zach Clements or Zuby Edgefer. Not ideal and not something we see too often. And Kansas had the, I forget if it was one or two point lead. Jalen Wilson hits the three. Bill Self was calling for a timeout, you know, well before he ended up getting the ball and shooting the three. It's given to him. Three doesn't count. They can't execute at the end of that. They don't execute at the end of regulation. They almost give up a steal and score at the end. Zuby does a good job uh, stopping it, and then uh, they go to overtime, and Keontae Johnson hits the alley-oop jam, and KU can't execute down the stretch. They don't get a shot off. Jalen was fantastic, 38 points. Dewan actually had 11 assists, but more turnovers than you're used to. Went one of seven from the floor. Grady couldn't hit a three. Um, we mentioned the KJ and Kevin McCuller fouling out. Kevin went 0 for 2 from the floor with two turnovers. He had zero points, and you got eight total bench points despite the fact that the bench played 39 minutes, like a good amount of time. Um, so there there were many things to take away from the game. I'll just I'll, I'll go back here. Like what? What do you view from the first game that you view is real? What do you view is is probably going to repeat itself headed into tonight? Keontae Johnson being the focal point for K-State. You had 24 and, points. Yeah, and Kansas either we saw them switch everything early and it didn't really work, and then they kind of stopped switching. And I think also you have to factor in McCuller's health. I know Bill Self said he's practicing, seems fine, and he's going to be available, but that, that is something to keep an eye on, right? Is McCuller just going to be locked up on Keontae Johnson all game? Are they going to switch it? I, I would assume that he's going to be the vocal point. He's continued to be even after the KU game. I mean, he's uh, he's the leading scorer. So that, to me, is something that's going to be consistent. And honestly, I thought it was interesting when you said that. Is there really a lot to take away from that first K-State game? I mean, you had three you had three starters foul out, and it was a weird game, as you said. Like, I, I don't – is there a lot to really take away from that? Well, that was going to be my next question. Like, what do you what do you not carry over from last game? Like, and I think a there's a long it. list. There's yeah. a long list. <laughs> yeah. So, like you yeah. said, the the three players fouling out. Like, of course, one player for KU could foul out, and you know that happens all the time. But for three, let alone three starters, like that yeah. just doesn't happen. So I don't expect that to happen. Um, I I expect Jalen Wilson to be great. I don't know if I expect 38 <laughs> points again. That would be a high bar to set. I do expect Dewan Harris to not go one of seven. Um. I expect Grady Dick to go better than one of eight from three. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I probably you figure KJ is going to have a bigger impact. He, he just from he got out of a slump. Minutes. Yeah, he, he was got out great of a slump. in that first game. Yeah, he got yeah. out of a slump against Kentucky. I expect Kevin to score more than zero points. And Ernest Uday is kind of the wild card. Yes. He didn't play. He didn't play in Correct. the first game. I think that was the game that he had, and we didn't know this till like a week after he had his wisdom teeth out for and didn't play. Um, based on what we saw against Kentucky. And now that Zuby's kind of injured, uh, Bill Self already said we expect him to be the first big off the bench. Like, floor's open for Ernest. And yeah. I, I expect him to play well off the bench. I do. Yeah. And kind of going back to what you said earlier about this being the halfway game for KU and conference play, this game, to me, is going to set the tone for the rest of the season for both these teams. For Kansas, you have a chance to pull even with K-State. You'll still be one game behind Texas because they won last night, but... You'll be right there, basically. I mean, with the win tonight, if you're Kansas, the Big 12 title's back on, basically. Yeah. I mean, 
It's as simple as that, right? And for K-State, you have a chance to sweep KU, beat them at home. Almost, I mean, again, not not you don't bury them in the conference, but you really knock them down a peg, certainly. And then you're in that position of being right there with Texas and really faulting yourselves in, into serious title contender conversation, right? So this game for both teams... I think is going to have long-lasting effects, either positively or negatively, depending on the outcome, over this next month or two, basically the rest of the season. Yeah, it's it's not a must-win. We went over some of the scenarios. Like KU it's not was a must-win, but, but it's a you really set I yourself mean, up poorly if you don't. It's a it's a must-win from the standpoint of you don't want to get swept by K State. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, it, you you set yourself back if you don't win in conference play. You're not out of it, but I you think more than basically kind of are because K State would have, K State would be up two games on you and they would have swept you. Yeah, it, more than anything, if you lose this game, to me, it's more just about you couldn't recapture the energy you brought from Kentucky. You couldn't build off that. You couldn't establish more momentum to possibly go on a streak here. That would be the bigger worry to me. Um, Kansas went six of twenty nine from three in that first game. That's twenty one percent. Kansas State went 7 of 17, 41%. Desi Sills, who is not a good three-point shooter, went 2 for 3. He went... Oh, by the way, Desi Sills has done almost nothing since then. Yeah, and and the two threes he made, like one was like a step back, well-contested. The other one was like a 30-footer, a step back, well-contested. So um, I don't expect that to continue. Now, I do think Kansas State's going to get more from Marquise Noel. I'm not expecting him to go 0 for 4 from 3 and only have 4 points. So that's something you got to be worried about. Uh, David and Gessen was out for that game. I don't know what his status is for this one. But that could be something to work out. Um, also, Ismail Masood, he went two for two from three in that game. He is, like, not missing right now. So he's he's started to get an even bigger role with the team since kind of that game, or, or maybe it's just because uh, the shots have really been falling here. But, like, in Big 12-only games, Masood is shooting four of 14 on twos. That's 29%. He's shooting 16 of 28. That's 57%, which is first among Big 12 players. Oh. So... Um, you know he. I mean, he, he's a knockdown shooter. But you, but when you look at Desi Sills, in the three games since Kansas for Desi Sills, he is two of thirteen from the floor. He hasn't hit a three. He has not hit a single three in this in these last three games after the Kansas game with five points. Yeah. So I don't know what I. I, I mean, I don't know what you expect from him in this game, but I don't know. No, you expect it to come down to earth. So. Um, I guess going through all that, there were a few things I said. Like I said, I think Marquise Noel scores more points than four points. There are a few things that you can point to and be like, well, Kansas State should do that better. But there are so many things that Kansas should do better yes. in this game with the three-point shooting, with um, you know, just players not fouling out, with uh, just having maybe a better bench big this go-around with Ernest Uday, with just being at home this time around as opposed to on the road. And all that led to a barely one-point loss on the road. And yep. so you look at the the spread right now, it's it's hovering around seven, eight points. Like Ken Palm has it as a seven-point game. I saw shot quality had it as like a double-digit point game wow. for Kansas. So, you know, I... Yeah, to me, this is a game where you're going to be you're gonna be fired up. But I guess, for Kansas, like, just if you just play your game you and you play win. within yes. yourself and you keep it simple, you should be able to win this game. Yeah. And now, in a one-game sample, like, who's to say that all the, a lot of those things don't happen again? Like, what if Kansas does have another bad three-point shooting game? Then, you know, stuff happens. But on paper, Kansas is a better team than Kansas State. Go yes. out and prove it tonight. Go yes. out and prove it in Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I think, think the one thing that you that might concern you, which I talked about, is 
the Makota situation. Mm-hmm. How limited could he potentially be with what with his status with rolling his ankle? Right. I mean, like I said, it sounds like he's it sounds like he's fine, but is he at the that elite level of defense that we've seen from him, or is he maybe not quite there in terms of moving laterally? You know, with his ankle or whatever. Right. So. That, I think, is something to keep an eye on early is what is his level uh, and how well is he holding up against Keontae Johnson because, again, you figure Johnson's going to be the, the main guy for K-State. How about this? Would you consider a box-in-one defense against Keontae Johnson? I don't think so because I'd still be worried about Marquise Noel. But triangle in two, you'll triangle in two. You put DeWan on Marquise Noel. You put you know Kevin McCuller, if he's out there, otherwise it's Jalen Wilson, I guess, at that point, on Keontae Johnson. And then... Yeah. You kind of stretch around, but I guess you have to be careful with that because if, you know, if... If Masood's hitting threes. Yeah, if he's hitting threes or if Desi Seals is hitting shots again, then... That, that's going to really annoy me if Desi Seals hits more shots. Yeah. I mean, that would really annoy me. <laughs> I'll just say that. I'll just be annoyed. Well, that is the, I'm probably going to be annoyed anyways by something. That is but. the KUA, that a guy that's not shooting well comes <laughs> in and just makes everything, so you never totally know there. A 24% three-point shooter. Yeah. But I, I do think they did learn a little bit of in that first matchup, not switching as much. Yeah, in the them. second half, it was yeah. a lot better, I would say. Which and honestly, Jalen did a great job defensively on Kelsey Johnson. So even really if did. even if McCuller is maybe doesn't look like he's fully healthy and it's negatively affecting him, Jalen I think is a is a serviceable replacement. Now at that point, I'm obviously you're probably looking at bringing Joe or Bobby off the bench, which maybe doesn't give you a ton of confidence, but. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's not like it's not like McCuller was giving Kansas a ton of offense before, so you just lose that defense a little bit. But I don't know. I yeah. still feel like Joe. I don't know. I'm still I'm still stuck on the Bill self propaganda machine with Joe. I feel like he's got to have he's going to have a big impact sooner rather than later. I would think so. I uh, was a little hesitant after the Kentucky game where you saw him have that one shot that. You know, he just kind of hesitated on right after he had the confidence booster yeah. from Bill Self. Like, yeah, that was tough. Not totally ideal, but he did have, I mean, it's funny because the bar for what we consider a good game from the KU bench this year has been set a lot lower than in years past. Five points, three rebounds, and an assist for Joe in the first K-State game. It's like, oh, that's good bench pretty good. for yeah, this that's team. not right? bad. Yeah. Um, but also it was in 22 minutes, which which was hefty play. So he, he might be the guy. Uh, I... I think ideally in this game, like you're getting some sort of contribution from him or MJ Rice. Uh, going back to the Kevin McCuller health thing, if Kevin has to play a handful less minutes per game, but I do remember, yeah, exactly. Like when I say it, concerns about Kevin's health, in yeah. my mind that means like he might play 26 minutes instead of like 33. I 32. will say though, do you remember this was earlier in the season? This was back in November uh, or, or December. Sorry. Kevin McCuller had the groin injury against yeah. uh, Tennessee, and then he missed the, I think, Texas Southern was the next game. And his first game back was, was it Indiana or Missouri? No, it was Seton Hall. It was Seton Hall. So he came back for the Seton Hall game. And I remember us having this same conversation about, like, well, if he's coming back playing off an injury, you know, maybe he plays, but the minutes are limited. You know how many minutes he played in the Seton Hall game? How many? 35. Oh, okay. So, well, then man. maybe we don't need to be that worried. No, if you can play, you play. Basically, oh, hundred percent. No, hundred percent. Okay, KU wins if what? I think KU wins if they don't overcomplicate things and just play their game and keep it simple. Uh, to me, 
if I'm K State, my strategy here is to try to muddy up this game and you know, kind of similarly to how they won in Manhattan, muddy it up, cause fouls, get KU sort of off kilter. For Kansas, I think it's just play simple, keep it simple, don't overcomplicate things, play your game, run the high pick and roll with Dewan and KJ, get Jalen going, let Grady have his chances to hit a couple threes, and you should be able to, you should be pretty comfortable, right? To me, to me, that's the key for Kansas. It's just you don't need you don't need to overcomplicate things. Don't get sucked into the rivalry. Don't get sucked into all that stuff. Like you're the better team. Keep it simple. Play your game, and if you do those things, I think you should be able to win. I'll say uh, just something about the possession game. I, I don't know what exactly I want to say. KU actually had 12 offensive rebounds in Manhattan. K-State had 11, so technically you got one more possession there. Both teams had around the same amount of turnover, so it wasn't like a huge difference there. But it was one of KU's, I mean, at the time, it tied for KU's worst turnover games. They've since had one worse than that with, with 17 turnovers. But in that game, it tied for the most with 15 of them. So... K-State's not a good defensive rebounding team, 257th in the country. They are a good offensive rebounding team. They are 76th in the country. But in Big 12-only play, they're 6th there. Defensively, they are last in the Big 12 in defensive rebounding rate. You should be able to take advantage, get some offensive rebounds. And also, when you look at it, um, you know K-State is pretty good at forcing turnovers, getting some steals that cause you some issues. A lot of them were unforced, though, by yourself. Have a game where you only have 11 or 12 turnovers, get 12, 13, 14 offensive rebounds, and do what you did against Kentucky on the defensive glass, and you're going to be okay. The other thing has to be the three-point shooting. I know you could say this about every game. Like I feel like three-point shooting is like turnovers in football. It's like you go into every game and you're like, well, if we win the turnover battle, we yeah. should be good. If we win the three-point <laughs> battle, we should be good, right? Um, Kansas and I mean, K-State, as a team... They have been shooting pretty well they in have. conference play. So on, on the season, K-State's at 35.5%. In Big 12-only games, they are shooting 38.6%, which is first in the Big 12. Yeah. In Big 12-only games, they are also teams are only shooting 26.5% against them from three. And I do think some of that could be scheme-related. Like, maybe they're chasing people off the line. But we saw the KU game in Manhattan. They had, they a, lot had a lot of wide open, open threes. Yeah. They just missed them. I mean, right? wide open looks. I, I think there's a reason that you look at like the site like shot quality and it has this game as a double-digit game because I think the expectation is that Kansas State's three-point percentage offensively, it's going to drop maybe a little bit, and their three-point defense is going to go up a lot eventually. Like It's going to turn. Maybe this is the game that it starts to turn. In Absolutely. Allen Fieldhouse. Absolutely. Grady Dick hitting 17 threes. <laughs> new, new record. All right. New record. Grady so, Dick, 50 points. So yeah, those two threes. Threes and the uh, turnover slash offensive rebounding game, kind of on both ends. If KU controls those two things, they should uh, be more than good enough based on when you look at the last go-around and how many weird things had to happen yep. for KU to lose against a good opponent. All right, we're going to take a time out here. When we come back, we've got our Rock Chalk Pick-A-Hawk. How about this, though, before we go to break real quick? What's that? The Denver Broncos have... Uh, announced well no they have not announced but Adam Schefter reporting that Denver and the Saints basically have agreed in to loose terms that Sean Payton will be the next Denver Broncos head coach ah the, interesting there are two potential packages Don't they have to trade something for him they do two potential packages for the deal one Denver would have to trade their first round pick and next year's second round pick wow that's a lot for Payton and next year's third or Denver hey. would give up next year's first and this year's fourth. It's up to the Saints. But wow. 
little scary. I don't love Sean Payton being with Russell Wilson because I feel like if anybody's going to revitalize Russell Wilson, Russ, stinks. Maybe he but stinks. If anybody's going to revitalize. No, 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 no. He stinks. One that dude stinks. He's stinks. Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST. Broncos five and twelve next year. Sean Payton going to the Broncos. Sounds like D'Amico Ryans is going to go to the Texans, where he uh, former formerly played with the team. D.C. of the uh, 49ers. That's a good hire for the Texans, I think. Well, they've been churning through coaches. They've fired coaches after one year the last two times. I feel like this is well, going to be the one that changes it. Maybe. KU takes on K-State tonight. We're going to switch out of the way in... About one minute ago, plus two hours. Two hours? Yeah. Why did uh, you say it like that? <laughs> I don't know. Why didn't you just say two hours like a normal person? Because I was I was looking at my clock when I said it, and it switched from 3.30 to 3.31. But you I just said like, about well, two hours. Technically. I was going to say exactly two hours. Well, why didn't you just... Because it was no longer exactly two hours, and I didn't want to lie to the people. <laughs> I'm that's not going to appear say, on lie detector test this week. That's why you just say about two hours. No, that's false then information. It's right, regardless. No, that's it's too loose. It doesn't give How them. How is that a, too exact, loose? What do you mean? What is about two hours? About two hours could it be. Means it means anywhere two between hours two and hours and five minutes. minutes, two hours and the other way, it whatever. Could be no, an it's hour not. forty-two minutes. No, no. To me, about two hours is within ten minutes either way. That's and still you a been big right range. That's a twenty-minute range. You'd have been. You'd have, but you, it would have been fine. That's too long. Been right. That's too long. I don't want somebody to tune in and be like, tune in at five fifty and be like, well, you said about two hours. No, what? No, that's their fault. <laughs> that is their fault. About two hours. Mm. That means you have 10 minutes of buffer in either direction. Okay. So you would have been covered. Well, Rock Chalk pick a hawk for the week, so we're going to do four rounds. Um, did you want to implement the rule about the bench? What was, oh, how were we combining them? We said you can just take um, an entire, like you get the bench guards, you get the bench bigs. No. No? Okay. Leave it individual. No, I think it should be individual. Also, though. did you want to add the rule about the losing points for fouls or foul outs? Yes. Okay. I think we should add that rule. So what, minus one for fouls? Minus one for fouls. Okay. Fouling out should be an additional minus three? Wow. Five? You okay. think three's too low? No. I, I Too I, high? I, it's, dude, if you I mean, foul, if you foul out, out, you're already losing five for the fouls. Yeah, but you should lose an additional number. Okay. Minus three for fouling out. You think, you think that's fair? Sure. Two points for assists and rebounds, three for steals and blocks, minus one for missed shots, minus two for turnovers, minus one for fouls, minus three if you foul out. Okay. okay. I'm up 11-7. to seven. I've won four or five in a row. I'm on a run, just as I <laughs> predicted. I have the first pick, okay. and I will be taking Jalen Wilson. 38 points against K-State last time. Easy pick. It's a good pick. It's a good pick. I'm going to go with Grady Dick. I think he's going to hit some threes this game, hopefully. I'm pretty confident he will. Okay. My second pick will be KJ Adams. Even with the foul out rule, that's a little he's, dangerous. No, this he's time. fine. He's fine. All right, I'll go Dewan Harris. Yeah, I was torn between KJ and Dewan. Yeah, it's just it, it, with Kevin. It's you know coming off the rolled ankle, which is one thing to play the game. Like it's basically the like day of, but you know if if KJ gets. 16 points on 7 of 10 shooting with, like, 4 rebounds. That's basically equivalent to DeWan having, like, what, 8 assists with, like, 4 points. But again, now if he fouls out, that's loss of 8 points. 
He's not going to foul out. He, I mean, he did last matchup. He's, he did. He, uh, I am making a bold proclamation. Okay. He's not going to foul out. So I could go Kevin McCuller. I feel like that's the obvious one to go with. But again, I'm worried about the ankle. I'll just go with Kevin anyway. Kevin McCuller. Okay. I'm going to take Keontae Johnson from okay. K-State. And with my last pick, I will take Ernest. I think that's the right call. Now I have Ernest and KJ, so even if KJ struggles or gets in foul trouble, I have Ernest who can come in and get those points. I think this is the most meaningful game that Ernest could have this season because he yes. he had a meaningful game against Kentucky, back it up. We're getting yeah. to that point in the year where like it's it's put up or shut up. Stack point. good games on good exactly. games. Exactly. Do it now. Yeah. So that means I got to go with the K-State player as part of that rule. Uh, Marquise Noel is the obvious one, so that's what we'll go pick, with. You could pick Masood. I could. I could take... Uh, I don't or, know, like, uh, I, Tomlin, yeah, that, that'd be true. Naquan Tomlin would be a good one. He he had he, a he nice game last time. Yeah, I was gonna say I could take Desi Sills and just <laughs> assume he's gonna go off again. You never know. Um, I yeah. hope he doesn't. That Those would make me really really sad and also really annoyed and angry. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Matt Tate, Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com joins us next. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We got pregame coverage starting at 5.30 for Kansas, Kansas State. Tip off at 7 o'clock. Joined now, as we are on Tuesdays, by Matt Tate of the Lawrence Journal World, KUSports.com. And uh, if you go to KUSports.com, you'll you'll notice that it's updated. Like new, uh, I don't know, interface might be the way of putting it. It, it looks very nice on KUSports.com. And you can check out all of Matt's work there, especially headed into tonight and after tonight with recapping whatever happens in the game between Kansas and Kansas State. Uh, Matt, appreciate you hopping on the show today. Was this, of all the Big 12 SEC challenges that KU has played in, was this the most important positive result of any of them for Kansas? Oh, wow. Such a good question. Uh, um Let's say yes. I I think you wouldn't have asked it if it wasn't right. You're you're uh, you're you're well ahead of the game usually, but I think so, man. The only one that I can honestly remember that that was in any way bigger than this n- didn't necessarily have to do with like the schedule and the timing and and you know the need of of the victory in terms of like getting back on track and, you know, confidence and all those things. It, it was the one at, at in Lexington at mm-hmm. Kentucky when they were just freaking loaded, and so was Kansas. I mean, Bam Adebayo was there, De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, and then, of course, you had Frank and Devontae and Josh Jackson. I mean, you, you know, Speedy probably didn't play much in that game, and he became one of the greatest shooters in KU history, you know. So um, that that one is the one that will forever jump out to me first. Um, just because it was so star-studded and so many big-time players were were a part of that one, and of course Kansas won the game. I mean, it was a it was a terrific game and, a, and an absolute battle, and and uh, could have gone either way. So, you know, that, that's the one I'll always think about first. But I don't think that team needed that one nearly as much right. as as this one needed this one, um, and and. You know, give them credit, man. They started slowly again. Um, Kentucky's probably kicking themselves pretty hard because had they built a 10 or 12 or 13-point lead in that first five or six minutes when Kansas kind of came out slow again, um, it's, it's 
it's entirely possible the game would have gone a different way, but um, KU hung in there as they've done in, in a lot of games this season. Um, Jalen Wilson was, was the guy that led that. And, you know, a couple of quick buckets after the 4-0 deficit. Again, you know, we've talked about this, that 4-0 is nothing, right? But when you've started slowly three, four games in a row, even 4-0 seems more like 10-0 at that point. So the back-to-back buckets that Jalen got to tie the game and to just kind of settle them down, um, they were enormous. They're not going to be any any baskets that anybody remembers, really. Um, but but they were big shots. And then, of course, DeWan hit a couple of big shots. And then they settled down from there and, and really controlled the rest of the game and, and played really, really well. So, um, yeah, they needed it. They got it. And I think it'll be really interesting to see what that means tonight and what it means Saturday and what it means next week and all of that. Because as much as going to Kentucky was not a break – um, in any way, especially because Kentucky came into that game hot. Uh, it was a break in the sense that you weren't going to hurt yourself any, no matter what happened. You could lose by 100, and you'd still be in the same spot in the Big 12 race. So I think that allowed them to you know, free their minds a little bit, and, and that led to better play, and, and they looked looser and crisper, and, and you know, then that led to a win. So we'll see how much that carries over to tonight. Um, obviously a huge, huge game. So if that was a break of any kind, it was short-lived, short and sweet, and it's over now because you got to be locked in, um, and you can't, you can't, you can't lose this game tonight. I mean, if you want to win the Big Twelve, I think you have to win this game. Um, you could lose this game and still go to the Final Four. You know, that's that's not crazy to think. But if you want to win the Big Twelve, I, I don't think you can give up ground by losing tonight so it that in itself makes tonight a huge game yeah certainly is and when we look at the first meeting between the two k-state winning in overtime we were kind of talking about in the open how many weird things had to happen for that to be the case when you look at three players fouling out and ku going six of 29 from three missing a a good amount of open ones desi sills who Hasn't been a a super efficient, huge score going off for them offensively. When you look at some of the stuff that happened in the first meeting, what do you take away from that game as being something that you feel like, okay, that'll carry over into this game, or that gives me a good idea of how these teams match up here? And then in what ways do you just think this one's going to be completely different? Yeah, that's tough to say. Um, You know, Self had an interesting point yesterday bringing up the fact that that um, usually the second meeting is lower scoring. Um, and, and, you know, of course that's not true over time and not with every game, but I bet it is probably pretty true a lot of the times. And that's largely because you, you know each other and you got a little more familiar with them in person and things like that. So um, I, I thought that was interesting uh, that, that he pointed that out. And, and I think that would benefit Kansas if that's the case. I mean, I, look, I think K-State's a freaking offensive juggernaut, man. I mean, they went down to Texas, scored 116 points. We know, we all know that. And, and they've shown they can score with anybody or they can win games. What, they beat Florida, 64 to 50 or something crazy? I mean, like – Maybe that was 74-60, I don't know, but it's something like that. And, and um, you know, they've shown they can play with anybody. And, and so I, I, think that, I think that Kansas probably learned in that game that they would rather control tempo a little more. I don't know that that means they have to try to, hey, we don't want to score in the 80s. That's not good for us. I think Kansas believes they can score with anybody too. But I think they would rather dictate 
the way the game's played. And, and you do that a lot of times. I mean, you can do that by running and pushing the pace and all that stuff. But I think the easiest way to do it, and certainly has this has been true for Bill Self's team, is the easiest way to do it is to do it with your defense and dictate that the other team is not comfortable and dictate that the other team has to play a style or a pace that they don't want to play because of your defense. And so I, I think that'll be a huge part of tonight's game. That would be my guess anyway. Um, and, and, you know, like, I think all signs point to KU win in this game. The, the, what's the line? It's seven and a half, eight, nine points yeah. still. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That seems crazy, right? In the Big 12, um, this season against the team that already won, uh, at their place against you. And, and it, this year of all years, when every freaking Big 12 game is coming down to the last, last shot, it seems like, you know, it, that seems like a crazy, crazy number, but, a lot of the signs point to this being the way it's going to go for Kansas. I don't see them shooting six of 29 again. Um, I think they could make 12 or 13 threes and win by double digits pretty easily. Um, you also have to factor in the, the idea that this building's going to be ready. And, you know, they don't, they don't enjoy losing to K-State either. All these fans that had to hear about it the last two weeks, they, you know, they, they, they're ready. And, and so I just think that there's so many things that point to KU winning uh, this game maybe by about the line or, or a little bit, little bit more than that. But if, even if that's how you think, if you don't view this as a game that K-State can win, I think you're crazy because they will not care about any of that stuff. This team is, is, is you know, a representation of their head coach, and he believes anything's possible, and he's Mr. Positivity, and, and that's worked out really well for them so far this year. So they're going to show up tonight more than maybe any K-State team ever, believing that not only can they win, they're going to walk in here and believe they should win. And to me, that that's what makes this one so much fun, because we've seen plenty of games where the KU-K-State atmosphere is off the charts at Allen Fieldhouse. And, you know, sometimes that was because of the, the, the talent and matchup. Sometimes that was just because these fans love this rivalry. But I don't know that we'll ever – see anything in this rivalry quite like we'll see tonight. I think it's going to be crazy, and and I think this KU team is going to feed off of that. So you're saying, though, uh, back to what you said at the start, you're not expecting this game to be like it was last year in, in Allen Fieldhouse, 102 to 83? <laughs> yeah, right. I, I would be surprised by that other than other than the, the final spread. You know, I, if KU wins by 19, that wouldn't shock me. I wouldn't pick that, though. I mean, I, you know, I, I think – I think KU, you know, maybe 10 would be about as high as I would go. And even a 10-point win, you know, what's that? You're winning, you're winning every 10-minute period by two and a half points. You know, that's, that's not a blowout. Double digits isn't necessarily a blowout. But I, but I think Kansas is going to be ready. They, they, the main thing, too, like I said a minute ago, they, they, look like, they look like themselves again against Kentucky. Once they settled in, they played ball, and they looked confident and comfortable and they had a little swagger and that's what we saw out of the team that went what 15 16 and one and and then they ran into that roadblock and and it was a very hard stretch for them and it it was it was hard mentally it was hard on the court it was hard in a bunch of different ways but um they they seemed to maybe find their way back again and and i don't think there's any reason they won't show up feeling that vibe from the jump tonight this to me you know, how many of those KU, K-State games have we seen where it's, it's the opposite of what KU's been dealing with the last few games, where it's, you know, 13-2 to two Kansas 
in the first three and a half minutes, timeout K-State places on fire. And even if the Wildcats play perfect from there, there's just no digging out of that hole. That, that's that's the kind of game I feel like we're we're going to see tonight. But uh, again, I, I I don't say that meaning that I don't think K State can win. I think K State can win. I think Kansas is going to have to play really well to win. And I think I just think they are going to play really well, and and that's going to be enough. So it'll be interesting. It'll be you know it'll, it'll be one of the more fun KU K State games in a long time. How significant do you think the injuries to Zuby and Kevin McCuller are, and an extension of that? I guess do you how expected how much do you expect Kevin to maybe be limited tonight, or do you expect him to be limited at all? How do you see that playing out? I'd be surprised if he's limited, just based on how he played um, through that ankle injury the other day, and and uh, you know how it didn't seem to really bother him too much. Obviously, he was feeling it, and you know it was there, but. I, you know, he looked fine and he made plays and, and he made a pretty big shot. So you throw a couple of full days of treatment on top of that and some rest and all that, I, I'd i be really surprised if he's limited in any way. Um, Self hadn't really had a chance to see him much. Obviously, they played Saturday, traveled home, had Sunday off, and then they practiced yesterday. But, um, you know, based on everything he had heard and how the treatment had gone, he said yesterday, as I'm sure you guys pointed out, that you know he was responding to the treatment well and all that stuff. So I, I don't think he's a concern at all, um, especially because adrenaline factors in too. And you know he'll be ready after um, playing a pretty poor game over there in Manhattan. So um, and Zuby, you know that that's that's uh, it's weird because I, I mean I don't know if you guys saw it, but but being there at the game, you know none of us saw it happen. It was just he checked out of the game with two fouls, and next thing you knew he wasn't on the bench, and the next thing you knew he. We were getting word that, that he was out for the rest of the game and had a boot on and all that. So it was a weird, weird injury. Kind of reminded me of being 44 years old and maybe you take that last step off the off the stairs and, and you, you don't feel it at the time, but you take two or three steps more and then you realize, oh, that hurt my foot. And then you're just old. So I'm not calling him old, but, that, that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing my own experiences of what could happen into that. And, uh, you know, so, so – You'd rather have him than not. There's no question about that. But at the same time, you know, he's kind of been a little bit out of favor lately, or or maybe that's been matchup-based or whatever it is. But, you know, he hasn't played a ton lately. And uh, Ernest maybe is making his way toward a little bit of a resurgence himself. So I don't think having Zuby out is, is all that concerning, uh, other than the fact that you'd rather have him continuing to go, continuing to play, continuing to get ready and things like that. So that if you need him in March or whatever it is, um, that, that he's ready to go and you're not having to rev him back up from, from zero. But, you know, uh, it's been a hard year for all those guys. And, uh, and you know, playing without him hasn't been anything that, that KU hasn't been able to, to power through. Uh, hasn't been ideal by any means, but... Um, you know, I don't. I don't think you'll notice him not being there tonight, unless unless something crazy happens and KJ fouls out in ten minutes and Ernest fouls out in the first half and Zach's got four fouls to start the second half or something like that. Um, even then, though, you know, it, it, I don't know that that's first of all never going to happen, and second of all, I, I think they may be more likely to just go small then rather than put big minutes on on any of these young bigs. So I, I don't think it's too big of a deal. KU football schedule just came out earlier today, as did all of the Big 12 scheduling, and 
you know, for the first time in a while, I actually found myself interested in it because normally it's just like, well, we already know who they're playing. I don't really, you know, like talk to me, talk to me in August when, when we know like, oh, okay, this is what we need to focus on this week. But this year was actually interesting because you didn't know who they were going to play. Uh, what were your thoughts on what the schedule turned out to be for KU in 2023? Yeah, I completely agree with you, first of all. I mean, it's, we always know, right? It's the right. product of this being a, a 14-team <laughs> league now. You don't know. There's intrigue around who's not going to be on it. There's excitement around who's going to be on it, you know, um, all those things. So, yeah, there, there's a, there was a lot to, to look forward to um, more than more than ever probably when it came out. And, um, gosh, you know, there's a lot that jumps out. I mean, I, I love seeing Oklahoma and Texas on there um, as much as you'd probably like to not play either. Um, if it is their last year, it's kind of cool that you're playing them both. And, you get a chance at least to send them out with a loss if you if you want to and can um, to be determined there. Um, I love how that last game at Cincinnati jumps out. It's really interesting. It's a new opponent, of course, and and that's fun in and of itself. Um, but who knows how good Cincinnati's going to be? We don't have any idea. So is that going to be one of your hardest games on the schedule, especially because it's on the road? Maybe. Um, at the same time. Is that going to be – are they maybe not going to be any good and maybe you get a little break there at the end of the year? I mean, it's, it's just unknown right now. So those those things really jumped out at me. Um, I think it looks really good on the front end. Um, I, I don't know that they should feel like they're just going to roll to 4-0 or anything crazy like that, but I think those are four games that they should expect they can compete in, and you can't ask for more than that. So what is it, Missouri State? Uh, Illinois at home, both of those, and then you go to Nevada and BYU at home. I mean, that's that's four pretty good games to start a season. Um, that may look slightly easier than last year's first four games did, and and you you did just fine in those games, you know. So um, each year's different. You can't you can't necessarily say, well, this is how last year went, so this is how this next year is going to go. You know, they're they're all different, and. Uh, you just hope that it lines up so that you, you have a chance to compete. And I, I think KU does. I mean, I think they could get off to another good start. And we obviously saw what, what a good start did for them this year. So um, it's going to be a really tough year. I think getting to six wins again is, is, is going to be a real challenge. I don't think it's a given by any means. Um, and I think there's probably a, a, a lot of people out there that maybe think it is. I think there's, you know, well, we got the six now, so let's just do the next step, you know, and I just don't think that's a given. I mean, I, I think that it was a really good year, and they got six wins, and they earned them, and, and they deserved to feel great about this past season every step of the way, and, and like they did. But, um, man, it's it's – it's hard to stay good, and and especially when you've been a program like this that's that's struggled for so long. I, I don't, I don't know. I'll just say I'm really interested to see what that Vegas number will be when it comes out because, you know, I could see it being six, six and a half. I could see it being four and a half. Um, it's just hard to say. But but the schedule looks manageable. Um, you know, there's a lot to like about it. It's it's cool to see three of those four newcomers, and it's really cool that it's those three because you just played Houston this year. So um, really fun, really, really exciting schedule release. They always try to hype those up no matter what, right? And then, like you said, this one actually matched and lived up to the hype because it was exciting to see it. Yep, that's for sure. Well, uh, Matt, I appreciate you coming on as always this week, and uh, I guess we'll talk to you next week. Certainly there will be plenty to talk about next week when 
Uh, you were through the K-State, the Iowa State games. I forget if the Texas game next week is on Monday or Tuesday. But appreciate the time. You can check out all Matt's work, LJ World, and uh, KUSports.com. Have a good rest of your week, man. Yeah, appreciate it. And thanks for the shout-out on, uh, on, on the new site. It, it turned out really good. Uh, the feedback's been great so far. It's a much, much better site, secure, works better, all that stuff. So check it out if you guys haven't. And, and anybody listening, check it out. Also, if you are listening and you were a KUSports.com app user, the old app is dead for now. We're talking about what we're going to do there. We may create a new one. We may say sayonara to the apps and let people roll with the mobile site because this whole redesign was designed with the mobile in mind so it works really well so if you were an app user you can just hit your browser up www.ksports.com check it out that way and then you know save it to your home screen on your phone and it'll treat you just like an app all the same so we've got a few calls on that so i had to i had to do a little shameless plug there to, to borrow your airwaves to, to help some people out in case they're in case they're tr- troubled by that because a lot of people have called and said is it my phone is it just me and you know no it's, it's not just you it's it's uh part of the uh the, the regular transition that we're dealing with here so but overall really good stuff for for the future and and it, it looks great so thanks for mentioning it and uh yeah we'll have all kinds of coverage there tonight of a pretty big kansas basketball game check it all out KUSports.com and in the lj world thanks again to matt this is rock chalk sports talk one hour down two to go we got some uh, ku player audio from before the kansas state game we'll get to kevin flaherty at 440 this is rcst We're going to chat with Kevin Flaherty coming up in 15 minutes from right now. Talk a little Big 12 KU basketball with Kevin. Maybe a little KU football talk in regards to the schedule coming out today, which we get to right now here on RCST. So the 2023 schedules have been released for all the different Big 12 schools. That is the case for Kansas as well. They have seven home games. Took them long enough. Jeez. Yeah, it was supposed what are we to be doing? A few it's weeks be ago, like, wasn't it? It's supposed to be like December. That's okay. Better late than never, I guess. I mean, is it really that big of a deal that something that doesn't start until the last day of August? But it's exciting, man. It's exciting. It's, you know, there's But are you less excited now than you would have been if it came out two weeks ago? Uh, I don't know. I'm (laughs) I'm equally as excited. Okay. That's my point. That's my point. Um, but they have seven home games, so uh, I that's guess huge. Yeah. that's that's fun for, like, if you're a season ticket holder, you get yeah. extra tickets, yeah. extra games to go to. And it's, as, as we were just talking about with Matt, it's a lot more fun this year and moving forward in the Big 12 where you have a schedule for the schedule releases that you don't entirely know who you're going to play. Yeah, that's true. Like, in the, in the previous edition... Of you the Big 12, nine where you have 10 games, teams. nine of the teams. You already know who you're playing. You're playing all nine. And it's not exciting to be like, man, I'm really excited to see who they play on October 14th as opposed to November 7th. Like, I really hope, you know, you're only basically looking like, okay, that's interesting. I'll reference that and I see who we're playing. I'll see when the bye week is. Now it's 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 more fun to know who you're because you, you just don't know which schools that you were going to end up playing. And it'll still be the case even when Texas and Oklahoma leave because there will be 12 schools, so 11 teams you could play against for nine games. Yeah. Um, so it'll still be kind of that way, just you'll miss less teams. But here is the schedule. Drum roll, please. <laughs> I love how we, we tried to just uh, speak a drum roll as opposed to just actually like hitting the table. Um <laughs> August 31st, their season opener. Now, these are the non-con. These were already, already scheduled. Uh, against Missouri State, formerly Bobby Petrino's school, but yep. he is no longer there. Yep. 
Then November 9th against Illinois, which I just realized the 9th, that... Are they what? playing on a Friday? Is the 31st a Friday? No, the 31st is a Thursday. Oh, okay. And the 9th is so they're Saturday. opening on a Thursday, and then they play on, on Saturday. Illinois will be really tough. Brett Bielema has really gotten things going at Illinois. They won eight games this past season. Really physical running game. Really physical on the lines of scrimmage. That's they did lose quite a bit, though, and Tommy DeVito got his waiver rejected, so I don't know who mm-hmm. their quarterback is going to be. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, but that that should be that that's the type of game that'll probably be like whoever's favored will be favored by like three or less. Yeah. Uh, Nevada on the road on September 16th. Nevada was horrible this past year. Nevada stinks. That's a fun one. If you want to take a trip, you can go up to Tahoe for the weekend. Reno is only like a 30, 45 minute drive away from Tahoe. Um, then it gets into conference play. And this is where the real schedule release happens. September 23rd, BYU at home. Nice. So I, I I didn't look at BYU's schedule, but that is KU's first Big Twelve game of the season. I would assume that's BYU's first Big Twelve game of of ever. Yeah, ever <laughs> exactly. Um, so that should be a good game. BYU is a good school. They're making the transition up. They're a physical team. Honestly, I don't love the fact that you get them in your first Big Twelve game because here's the thing: for the schools that are coming into the Big Twelve that were not previously at this level. And BYU is a little less than the AAC schools because they they were playing a bunch of Power Five teams. The biggest knock against those schools is that they're in if they're in the Power Five conferences is the depth. It's that they can they can beat any team. You know, like you you would always hear this with like the Boise State's when Boise State was really good with like Chris Peterson and stuff. They could beat any team on any given day. But if they were actually in one of those conferences. The problem is that over the course of time, they didn't have as much depth and they would lose maybe a couple games that they weren't supposed to. But because you're playing BYU so early in the season, that knock doesn't get really tested yet. So that. Hey, guess who BYU plays before Kansas? Who's that? Arkansas. Okay. So maybe they beat them up a little. I don't know. Um, but it is interesting. You get one but, of the new Big 12 schools and you can get them here in Lawrence. But yeah, Kansas is BYU's first ever Big 12 game. Then September 30th, early season game, you're at Texas. So maybe that's the the point okay. in the season when they have just switched from Quinn Ewers to Arch Manning <laughs> and you're getting him in his first start of his career. I don't know. Then you get uh, another of the newcomers, UCF, on October 7th. I know some people were hoping it was at UCF so they could go visit like Disney World, uh, but it sounds like you would be playing. I, I don't know how they're going to do this. I don't know if they're going to be like, hey, next year, if you played somebody at home, you're going to play them on the road. I don't know how, if that'll work that way. Um, but you do hey, get UCF at home. I've never they're been to any Disney World, any Disneyland, ever. Anything. What about a Universal Nothing. Studios? Nothing. Never been to any of that. Do stuff. you want to or just um, don't care? I, I would go. I mean, I don't feel like I've. I don't feel like my childhood was was in some way tainted because mm-hmm. I didn't go or anything like that. I don't know. No, I, I feel fine. I feel like I turned out okay. fine as a human being. <laughs> but when I go, sure, yeah, why not? Okay. Well, yeah, why not? Yeah. Um, October 14th after that, you're at Oklahoma State. They'll be looking for uh, a bit of revenge after this past season. Then you have the bye week, and that's always one thing you, you look straight to whenever you're looking at any schedule. Like, when yeah. is the bye week? Well, I think I mean, that's if a good you remember, time for If you remember, Lance Leipold this past season talked about how he prefers – the yeah. bye week to be middle, you know, later middle, the middle or towards the late of the season. So I don't know. I don't know how much of a say you get in that, but I think you, you get some. Like you can probably like veto something, but you can't. Con- like if they they're like, what do you want to do the bye week here? And you're like, I that's the one week I don't want to do. And then they ask again. You probably can't like veto it again. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's the process how it works. They also though said like even though they preferred it later in the season, they felt like it was maybe a week or two too late. 
And this next year, I think it'll be about a week earlier than it was this past season. So it's probably right where they wanted it. Yeah, this probably is right where they wanted it. It's after seven games, then you're in the home stretch for the final five. So you get Oklahoma at home, then you're at Iowa State on November 4th, then you're back home November 11th against Texas Tech, and that is starts two huge home games because both these games you feel like are, are going to be kind of winnable, but also you get the November 18th game against Kansas State. Felt like you made strides, felt like you closed the gap a little bit with Kansas State. That's going to be senior day. That's your final home game November 18th. And then you finish out the season. You're on the road against Cincinnati. So you play three of the four new Big 12 teams. Go to Cincinnati. You can get some Skyline Chili. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe the Chiefs will be playing at the Bengals that same weekend that <laughs> next year uh, when that schedule comes out. Shouldn't the Bengals be coming to the Chiefs? I guess maybe not. I, I, I don't, don't know. know. It's it's weird. They, they don't ever actually balance it out. No, like, they don't. The Chiefs have the like Chiefs, gone to Houston to play the Texans. Like, like it's every single yeah, year. Yeah, it's like nine times they've hosted <laughs> them in the regular season. Like twice. It's it's <laughs> it's something crazy. Um. So overall, overall thoughts on the schedule. Uh, I think you feel pretty good about it. I mean, so the teams you don't play are TCU, Baylor, Houston, and who West Virginia. Missing? West Virginia. So the bet the, you can look at it one of two ways. Like the good news is like KU always struggles against Baylor. Don't have to play Baylor. Yes, that's a positive. Huge positive. TCU was a cultural playoff team. You figure they're probably not going to be as good, but that's a game where you probably weren't going to be favored if you're Kansas. Yeah, I'll be honest. I could see TCU, but TCU they could lose so to, much. Yeah, they could they could be I like, could a, six mean, or like seven a seven win. and six yeah. team. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah but yeah. in theory, yes, they played for the title last year. Probably a good thing you avoid. Them. Yeah, so you dodge. So that's like a positive, okay. And then uh, sort of from the negative standpoint, I guess you lose two games that you won last year. Yeah, you beat West Virginia at West Virginia. And West Virginia... It would have been nice probably, to have come back home. Yeah, and West Virginia is probably not going to be any better or maybe even worse. They kept the same season. coach. Yeah, and then you look at Houston, a team that, again, you beat last season on the road. Maybe it would have been nice to have them come to your place. But at the same time, with the Houston one, it's like kind of what Matt alluded to. You, you already played Houston, so it's like it's, it's, it's exciting to see that you get to play the other newcomers to the conference versus a team that you had literally just played the season before. Yeah. But, yeah, but so, so there is definitely some negatives to that. Is you two, two teams that you beat last season that you would probably feel pretty comfortable beating again this season, not on your schedule. And you have to play Oklahoma and Texas. But kind of also what Matt said, you know, with Oklahoma and Texas, it, would, it is kind of nice to be like, oh, you know, you get to play them in the last season uh, in the conference. But there's definitely some positives and negatives. Overall, I think it works out pretty well for Kansas. You get seven home games, and you get UCF and BYU at home. You feel pretty good about those, probably. Texas Tech at home, a game that you should feel pretty good about, probably. So, I mean, I, I think it balances out pretty well for Kansas. I don't think you can have too many complaints about how it's shaked out. Well, there's no back-to-back -back road trips. I think that's that's good. You like where the bye week is at. That's good. Um, I, I am a little disappointed you didn't get one of West Virginia or Houston because I thought Houston was – the the team that I don't know I I think all of BYU UCF Cincinnati and Houston are, are going to be like solid teams but yeah. none of them are going to win the conference yeah but I kind of viewed Houston as the fourth among those four maybe it's just because we saw Kansas go into Houston and, and beat them pretty handedly last year and then I viewed West Virginia and Iowa State as kind of the bottom two in the Big Twelve so it would have been nice if you got West Virginia yeah it's Again, it's like you, you don't get to play West Virginia, but also you dodge Baylor, a team that yeah. beats you every single year no matter what. So so it is kind of a trade-off, I guess, if you view it that way. But, yeah, if you, if you would have been able to take away one of the Texas or OU games and add it in one of West Virginia or Houston, I think I would have loved the schedule. Well, not love it. It's, it's still a hard schedule. But 
as of now, I'm not because here here's the problem that I run into when I just look at this: okay. the Missouri State, Illinois at Nevada. You're probably two and one or three and zero oh after that. Then it's like with BYU, Texas, UC. I I don't know. It. I'm worried that if the defense doesn't improve with as hard of a schedule as this is, well, what's I mean, the record going to be? You but could be you could be four and two through the first six. Maybe you could also be two and four. Maybe. You should be able to. Truth I, okay. probably lies somewhere Here's what in between. I think. Three and three. You should All be right. able to beat Illinois at home, and you should be able to win one of BYU or UCF at home. So I think that gets you to four and two. Right the there. way I view it, Illinois and BYU—that's a split. You lose to Texas, and then so I guess, what you're saying is know. thirteen and zero, Big Twelve <laughs> champs, CFP. Well, there's the path to it. He's Nick Springer. <laughs> I'm Derek Johnson. Kevin Flaherty, twenty four seven Sports, joins us next. Welcome back in. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Less than an hour from right now, we're going to scoot over to pregame coverage, Kansas-Kansas State, with uh, the Jayhawk Radio Network coverage taking over, tip-off 7 o'clock. Joined now by Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports, and I I, I want to get to some KUK-State tonight, but kind of moving around the, the entirety of the Big 12. We had the Big 12 SEC Challenge over the weekend. Kansas won the challenge 7-3. to what was what was the biggest lesson that you might have learned in the Big 12 SEC Challenge? Did you learn anything during the uh, 10 games? Yeah, I think so, because I think a lot of times these challenges, a lot depends on matchups. And so you can go in, even with the superior conference, and you can wind up you know tied at 5-5 or something like that just because the matchups, for whatever reason, didn't really work in your favor. And I think most people thought heading into the Big 12 SEC Challenge, that the matchups were probably more favorable to the SEC. Uh, I think, what, four of the the bottom five SEC teams, uh, or three of the bottom four, or something like that, didn't take part. The only team that's high in the SEC standings that didn't take part was Texas A&M. And you looked at some of the matchups, and you looked at Auburn and you know, the fact that Texas Tech had to go on the road to LSU, which is, you know, was one of the weaker teams in the field. And, and just sort of some of the different things. TCU, obviously, you have the injury to Mike Miles. They're already without Eddie Lampkin. And all of that's a really long way to say that everything was kind of set up for the SEC to do well. And instead, you wind up with the Big 12 at 7-3. and three. You wind up with the Big 12 being able to say, hey, if TCU didn't have all those injuries in a game that went to overtime against Mississippi State. That the Big Twelve easily could have been eight, eight and two, and and so I think a lot of times there's danger in drawing conclusions. But in this case, it almost felt like going in, the SEC was going to overperform its reputation, and instead the Big Twelve was absolutely dominant. Was there a result from the challenge that surprised you the most? Do you think? You know, I, I think when you look at when you looked at West Virginia Auburn, uh, I think that Auburn was is a team that has some issues. You know, it, it was a team that I was kind of I was I really struggled to rank them before the season because you looked at them losing, you know, Jabari Smith and, and Walker Kessler. They brought in you know a, a five star player in the post, and, and then they brought in Johnny Broom as well. 
And so you felt like, okay, the front court, they found guys to replace those guys, but they aren't going to be as good, right? They're, they're not going to be a lottery pick and another, you know, really high round pick. And Walker Kessler's playing well in the NBA right now. And that was a problem because Auburn's backcourt last year was kind of the reason they got bounced early and they really didn't play well down the stretch. And so while Auburn's been ranked, I think you look at it and you say, well, you know, you're still kind of questioning because the backcourt hasn't maybe come together. The front court isn't as good as it was last year. But even so, I, I think that most people expected them to fare well uh, against West Virginia, even going on the road. And, and instead, West Virginia, that was one of the games that I felt like kind of established the tone a little bit, if you will, where you looked at it and said, okay, this is a team at or near the bottom of the Big 12 standings. They wind up coming away with a victory. LSU has really struggled this year. You know, they're not even a top 100 team in Ken Palm. And so to see Texas Tech, which didn't have a Big 12 win at the time, to go to LSU and win wasn't necessarily shocking, but it was still the West Virginia and Texas Tech wins when you put those together where you said, okay, these are the teams at the bottom of your conference and, and they're going and winning games one against a ranked team. But, you know, I, I totally just skipped over it. The most surprising result has to be Oklahoma over Alabama, right? <laughs> well, I was wondering if you're going to get to it. But, yeah, I mean, a 30-point win over number two in the country, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and with Oklahoma, I you know, it's funny because you look at it, that was Oklahoma's biggest win of the season. And I don't mean, <laughs> you know, in ter- I don't. I don't mean yeah. in terms of, like, hey, that's a big win. I mean by margin. Oklahoma beat Alabama more than it has beaten any team all year. The previous high was against UMKC. And so and so when you when you look at it from that perspective, yeah, that's that's shocking. I, I think, you know, we've seen Oklahoma hang around with teams enough in the Big Twelve that if somebody would have said to you, Hey, Oklahoma's gonna play well and they're gonna win this game, you would have said, Okay, you know, I, I maybe get that, you know. Maybe Alabama comes in a little flat, whatever. Oklahoma's capable of pulling an upset. But to absolutely, you know, trounce them like that, worse than they beat UMKC, I, I think that has to be the most shocking result. And actually, I'm very disappointed in myself for taking that long to get to it. <laughs> I just, yeah, there's no excuse, guys. I just had a total brain fart for a second. It's all good. Okay, looking closer at the Big 12. Iowa State gets blasted by Missouri. They lose to Texas Tech. Are the Cyclones frauds, or do you think that this resurgence by Texas Tech speaks more to Texas Tech kind of figuring things out? You know, I, that was such a weird result that I'm not sure you can draw anything from it, right? Because you you almost have to give them credit for, okay, you're winning, you're winning by 23 points, you know, for almost the first 30 minutes. You can't really say, oh, man bad performance by by Iowa State. And, you know, they let that thing slip away. And, and I think against Missouri, you know, Caleb Grill didn't play. Iowa State didn't really play a great game anyway. And, and so I, I don't know that that was necessarily representative of who Iowa State was. But you do look at it all of a sudden and say, hey, there's, there's a couple losses right there. The Texas Tech one, I don't know that it's Tech figuring it out as much as it's just kind of 
it was one of those things that snowballed and tech without pop Isaacs, you know, it was just one of those really crazy results that I think we've seen, you know, maybe more often than we even expected in the big 12 this year. So, so I don't, I don't think that Iowa state is necessarily, you know, frauds are in a bad position or anything like that. I, I think, you know, they were a little banged up, didn't play well against Missouri, came out, played terrifically on the, on the road against Texas Tech for 30 minutes or so, and then just kind of fell apart. And so I do think that uh, it'll be interesting to see how they deal with, uh, with sort of those mounting losses, though. Kansas takes on Kansas State tonight in a little over a few hours here. What do you take away from that first matchup that happened in Manhattan? K-State wins by a point in overtime that you expect to be the same this time? And what do you view that's going to be most different in the second edition? Yeah, I'm not sure Kansas has a great matchup for Keontae Johnson. You know, I, I think you hope that it's Kevin McCuller and and I'm not sure what McCullers' status is going to be in terms of what percentage he's playing at after, you know, kind of rolling the ankle against Kentucky. But I think you would hope that that would be your thing, that he can trouble Keontae Johnson. But I think that's something that, that kind of carries on a little bit. With uh, with David Gesson back, I, I think, you know, you wonder a little bit whether – Kansas State's going to have a little bit more length and athleticism to throw at Jalen Wilson because obviously in that first game, you know, Wilson was just brilliant. And he was a guy that, that kept Kansas in it, quite frankly, when when the Jayhawks were, were missing in a lot of other spots. And so I think that's something that may change. I I'm not saying Wilson's gonna have a bad game. I don't think uh don't think you're going to expect him to get 38 again. I do think Kansas State's probably going to going to trail things a, a little bit differently, treat him a little bit differently. The other thing that I think from a positive standpoint for Kansas was Brady Dick had some great looks in that initial game, and, and they didn't go in. And I think that that's going to be one of those areas where you look at with variance and, and coming back to Allen Fieldhouse, a place that – He's very comfortable shooting it and so on. I think that that's one of those things where you say, well, if you're able to get similar looks for Grady Dick, you're probably going to get more production from Grady Dick tonight than you did in the first game. Well, to that point, so Kansas State is number one in Big 12 games in three-point percentage defense. Teams are only shooting like 26% against them from three in Big 12 play. And, you know, I... I don't watch every single K-State game or everything, but certainly going back to that KU game, like you just said with Grady Dick, he had a lot of open looks. When you watch Kansas State, do you see a team who's getting a little lucky with their three-point defense right now, or has that been something that they have done a good job of of contesting threes and consistently getting out and chasing guys off the three-point line? Yeah, I think there has been some variance there. I think when you look at the Iowa State game that they lost you know, a couple games ago, that there were some open three-point looks. And and to be fair, I think some of that is Kansas State has been really good at adjusting this year. And so I think when they go and they play certain teams, if you watch them against Florida at all, they sent a really hard double at Colin Castleton whenever the pass was in the air. It was very similar, actually, to the way Baylor defended uh, Yudok Azabuki in Lawrence 
you know, a few years ago where that pat that entry pass comes in, that double team is already on its way. And, and so in a game like that, you would expect to give up a few more open three-point looks because your focus is elsewhere. And so uh, I think that it could be similar uh, against Kansas tonight, given that, you know, watching what Kansas does that makes it effective, I, I think – Yes, Kansas shoots well at times, but you're probably more afraid of the pick-and-roll game, right? You're more afraid that Kansas is going to get Jalen Wilson on his right hand going downhill. You're more afraid that K.J. Adams is going to roll to the basket and have chances at at high-percentage looks there. And so I think when you're focused on those things, you're going to give up some, some open looks from the outside. Kansas moves the ball well. That's going to help, too. But I do think that, that they've maybe had some some positive regression, if you will, in, in terms of people missing open looks from three that maybe could have made things look a little bit different. And I think you may see some open looks for Kansas from three tonight as, as K-State probably looks at it and says, you know what, if, if K.J. Adams gets 19 tonight, you know, that, that might be the reason we're toast. We're talking with Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. The Big 12 football schedule is out today, too. KU football has seven home games. Uh, They miss TCU, Baylor, West Virginia, and Houston. What are your thoughts on on the KU football schedule? Is it, I don't know, is it it maybe tougher than you'd expect, easier than you'd expect, uh, about right in the middle, I guess the Goldilocks schedule in that way? Uh, what What do you think about their schedule? Yeah, I think it's somewhat favorable. I mean, obviously, you know, when you when you look outside of the Big Twelve schedule and say, "Hey, Kansas has has Illinois," you know that that seems like a, a pretty challenging Power Five game there, uh, and could wind up impacting how things go. But when you look at the at the Big Twelve schedule as a whole, I, I think it's pretty manageable. You know, Oklahoma, I think, is going to be significantly better next year. We've talked about it on the show. You know, they lost so many close games last year. They lost every close game. They didn't win a single one. And so usually you see some bounce back on that. They're coming to Lawrence. Kansas goes to Texas. And obviously, you know, that game kind of got out of hand last year. I, I expect Texas to be pretty good this year. But other than that, you know, you look around, I, I think – you know, kind of selfishly and just based on history and what I've seen, you know, I I would have liked to see Kansas avoid BYU because I think BYU is, is kind of an awkward matchup a little bit because a lot of times you have, you know, if you're playing guys out there who are 20 years old, they're going up against guys who are 24 years old. And, you know, it's, it, I think, a lot of times BYU is able to punch above its weight in certain situations because of that. But you would have would have maybe liked to see Houston. I know Houston brought a lot of transfers in this year and a chance to kind of try. You hate to say fix because didn't Houston win eight games last year after everything? But in an effort to, to get better, they brought in a lot of guys. But overall, you know, you didn't have – I felt like Iowa State maybe had the biggest like murderer's row schedule of the Big 12. Kansas didn't have that. And if the Jayhawks can improve with so many returning players, 10 starters coming back on offense, I think this is a schedule that 
sets up for Kansas to go to another bowl game. And then depending on some of those coin flip games, you know, maybe maybe Kansas does see a, a couple game or so improvement from where they were at last year. What's I think the most interesting part to me is is the new teams that are coming over with the four ones and Kansas is going to be playing three of them, so they'll be up close and personal for a lot of them. And when you look at some of the schools in in recent memory that have made the jump up from, you know, being a, a non Power Five conference to, to going into one of them, like you look at Utah when they went to the Pac twelve, or uh, looking at TCU when they moved up to the Big Twelve. I, I was looking at some of these schools, and like in the case of Utah, it took a couple years before they were kind of a bowl team, and then they obviously have now turned into you know one of the consistently best teams in the Pac-12. With TCU, it took like one non-bowl year, I believe, and, and then all of a sudden they were like a college football playoff contender. Do you think it's going to take a year or two uh, of buffer for some of these new schools to build up the depth and build up certain things in their program that they need, or do you think all these schools are going to come in and kind of hit the ground running? You know, I do think it, it takes a little time, and it's interesting you asking that because I actually remember the conversation I had with our TCU writer when TCU came over, and I was covering Texas at the time, and, you know, we were talking about it, and he says, well, you know, TCU can compete with Texas and Oklahoma right now, and what I told him was that the biggest difference wasn't going to be in the top games, right? Because even when you're in a mid-major conference or a non-Power 5 conference, I guess would be the the term in football, even when you're in a non-Power 5 conference, you're still going to play a couple tough games a year, right? You're still going to have those opponents who are, who are really good in your conference and are really high level. The issue becomes when all of a sudden you're playing, you know, a team at or near the bottom of the league, your team just doesn't have it that day because they're not motivated. You know, it's something is going on and a little wrong. Maybe you're just not super polished. And when you're playing in the Mountain West or a league like that, you still win that game because you're still out talenting everybody else. You play that game in the Big 12 and you can get beat. You know, you look at Oklahoma losing to West Virginia last year. You look at at some of those games where, you know, Baylor wasn't great last year and TCU, you know, really had to scrap to beat Baylor and Kansas on, on days where maybe TCU wasn't perfect and they went to the national title game. And so I think that's where you have your biggest gap. It's not that BYU isn't going to get up for Texas. It, it's not that... Cincinnati is not going to be raring to play Oklahoma or something like that. But what happens when you're playing Iowa State and your team, you know, your team usually isn't up for it 12 games a year. There are usually a few games in there that you're just not quite at peak effort, at optimum efficiency. And all of a sudden, that team that you're playing against where you're not at optimum efficiency can send you home with a loss. And so I think that's kind of the biggest challenge and biggest adjustment for some of these programs. It's not going to be the big games. Yeah, they may lose because they're not quite as good as as the elite teams. But I think the bigger issue is when you're playing the mid-table teams, when you're playing the bottom of the league teams, and you're not playing well, and they're still good enough to beat you. He's Kevin Flaherty. You can check out all his work with 24-7 Sports. Kevin, appreciate the time, man. All right. Thanks a lot, guys.
All right, Kevin Flaherty, check out his work, 24-7 Sports. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, half an hour to go. This is RCST. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.